Welcome to the Radical Lifestyle Podcast, brought to you by Generation to Generation, where you will be inspired by the past, equipped for the present, and prepared for the future, as we engage in conversations with people from around the world. Hello everyone, this is Andrew and Daphne from Generation to Generation, and our guest today is Chad Leo, otherwise known as Jackson Riker. Um, now, Chad, for people that don't know who you are, can you just say a bit about where you're from and what you do? Sure. Yeah, man. Uh, so mentioned the name Chad Lell from North Carolina. So we live in Mooresville outside of Charlotte right now. My family and I, wife and a four-year-old daughter. Um, just uh, Jackson Rikers, the, the, the other side of me, I guess, the, the mean side that is uh, a, a member of the WWE roster. Uh, so WWE superstar, man. 39 years old, been doing this for over 20 years. Um, but hey, it's a pleasure to be able to chat with you guys today. Um, okay, so for people listening as well, and they, they hear this, they say, I like this guy, I want to support him, find out more about what he's doing, where could they do that? You got uh, Twitter, Instagram, so at Jackson Riker WWE. I have a YouTube channel, which is under Chad Lell. It's more of a ministry page for me. Um, and then Facebook, my personal Facebook page, which is Chad Lell as well. So any of those platforms I, I jump around on. Um, try to keep up with everybody and answer any questions. So there you go. Okay. And I'll put those links in the description. So for people listening, yeah. they'll be there ready for you to go and check out. Perfect. So Chad, you didn't just jump into where you are. Can you take us back a bit into your journey? Where would you look back and go, this was the moment that I decided I wanted to walk into the sport you're in? Yeah, pro wrestling, I, right? I should say so, go off the bat for people listening <laughs> because they might hear mum. <laughs> okay, this lady has no idea what she's talking about. Yeah. And there's a reason. It's because she doesn't have a clue what she's talking about when it comes to yeah. WWE. And we've left it like that because I think this could be quite amusing. Oh, anyway, yeah. sorry, back to you. Yes. Yeah, so how no. did you start? How did you get a vision for this? It's... Yeah, no, it's okay. I, it's going to be a fun conversation. And I love to talk about what I do for a living, especially I get questions all the time of like, because I mean, I constantly get it before I shave my beard and cut my hair that everybody was like, Oh, what do you do for a living? You're like, you're a military guy. I always thought I was a Navy SEAL or something. So first of all, you're not going to tell them if you are. And, uh, <laughs> but no, and I'm a pro wrestler and it kind of opens up a door to a conversation. So for me, uh, pro wrestling ever since I was five years old. I mean, like wow. I mentioned before, I'm thir 39. So five years old, I, and my mom can vouch for this. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have my mom sitting here beside me, but, <laughs> but she would, you know, she always tells people like literally at four or five years old, I'm watching our TV with my little action figures, watching Hogan and, and warrior macho man, you know, all these guys that were part of the WWF at that time. And they were just captivating me. I was, Yes, I was in the superheroes and G.I. Joes, but to me, these pro wrestlers were my, you know, were my superheroes, or I guess you could say my idols at the time. Um, and it just captivated me as a kid because, you know, Vince McMahon built this dynasty on these larger-than-life characters, these larger-than-life men who had, like, this bodybuilding physique, uh, just all kinds of crazy characters. And, and for me, it was just mesmerizing as a child. And ever since that time, I can remember growing up through school, you know, high school, all I ever wanted to do was be a pro wrestler. There was never a secondary, you know, hey, I want to go to college. Hey, I want to do this. It was always, I'm going to be a pro wrestler. 
um, because it just, it just, I don't know, man, it just took my life over. So for me, following that dream was, I just gave it my all, you know, I gave it my all and I'm sure we'll touch base on, you know, my Marine Corps history and stuff like that. But for me, pro wrestling was just the be all end all. I had no other goals in mind and I'm still that way. And, um, is this something that maybe your family were into your dad or someone when you were a kid, did you pick it up from them or did you just find it yourself? Uh, no, I think, you know, yeah, because my mom never watched it. I think that uh, for me, it was just something I found myself. She happened to turn on and uh, maybe at an early age of four or five, I was like, oh, what is this? Like, what are these guys doing? Um, so, yeah, you know, growing up as I got into my teen years, me and dad would go to WCW shows together, uh, WWF shows together. And uh, it was one of those things we just did, you know, as a family. You know, one of the things I'm appreciating about what you said is is the role of your parents, because very often I think parents pull back from the dreams of their children, especially if they don't understand it themselves or they're not into it themselves. I know when Andrew um, started to get into hip hop, you know, I, I didn't understand, I couldn't even hear what they were saying, but I made a deliberate attempt to engage with that world and to engage with um, with the music and even to help find some Christian, good hit Christian hip-hop. So I'm really appreciating the role that your parents um, took in this because they could have just turned the TV off and said, no way, son, you know, this isn't for you. But you said your dad took you and your mum says, so, yeah, I just want to stop and appreciate your parents at this moment in time for, for um, getting behind your dream, really, even though it might not have been theirs. It's, you know, it's good that you say that because they always, you know, and I remember because I have buddies whose parents didn't support them for certain things, whether they wanted to be a wrestler or a musician or whatever. And, you know, I can, my mom, even to this day, she still has a problem going to watch me wrestle live. Uh, quick story in 2008, I believe it was, I split my head wide open, lacerated an artery. And it was the one show my mother decided to come to and oh. it just... I think it, it freaked her out, but she's always told me, you know, that, that she supported me and my dad. I mean, you know, as a kid, me and my buddies would get together and, you know, do our little wrestling on a trampoline or whatever. And my dad just always told me, you know what, follow your heart, but you're going to finish school first. Like you're, you're, you're going to finish high school, which was always a goal of mine. Mm -hmm. And, uh, man, I'm so blessed. Like God gave me two amazing parents that just supported me and everything I did. Uh, even through my crazy times in life, you know, they were there to pray for me, probably behind closed doors many times, and just to always go, hey, you can do anything you set your mind to. And it's something that, that I carry on to this day. Uh, maybe not another time we can book a call with you and your mom and ask. Yeah, she sure would. That, that, that would be fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And she would love it. <laughs> I mean, you talk about splitting your head open. People might... Mm -hmm. I know there's this whole thing about the wrestling's fake, you know, it's this, that, and the other, and that, that kind of gets banded around, but, um, it, there's, uh, it, events may be predetermined, but, um, getting hit by a chair, falling, all that kind of stuff, yeah. they still hurt. And, um, there's still consequences sometimes to, to the work that you do. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, Triple H said at one time in an interview that it is a physical form of entertainment. You know, we're out there. There's no off season for, for WWE or for pro wrestlers in general. You know, obviously going through COVID and stuff like that, our live event schedule cut down, but we were still 
like grinding every week doing TV shows. And I got the utmost respect for every, every entertainer because we just, we go out there, we, we beat our bodies up, you know, to entertain the people. And um, it is very, very physical. I'm 39 and I got my bumps and bruises. I've been very blessed with no major injuries, but you know, I mean, hopefully, you know, when I'm 60, I can still walk around and enjoy life. But yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely very physical. It's very physical. What what is what does the schedule look like for you? Right now, uh, we can just I leave on a Sunday night, fly to Tampa uh, because we are doing kind of the the Thunderdome thing in Tampa, Florida, right now. And I'm home on Tuesday, but starting in July, so July sixteenth, uh, we start doing live shows. We'll be traveling back to Texas. I think we're doing parts of New Orleans or parts of Louisiana. Uh, some of Florida, we're kind of starting to spread back out and get some live crowds. So it'll pick up a little more, uh, you know, maybe not as strenuous as it was, say, two days or two, two days, two years ago. Um, our schedule, maybe three days a week, kind of on the road, doing some spot shows or super shows leading up to SummerSlam in August. And then for me, you know, I mean, on my personal schedule, I mean, you know, my wife always laughs. We bought a brand new couch, I guess, three months ago. And it's like, I never sit on it. You know what I mean? At nighttime, maybe for 10 minutes. And then, you know, I'm knocked out of my recliner. But, you know, when I get home, you know, it's training. It's my daughter's four. We have her in gymnastics and cheerleading. And it's just we're always on the go. And but you know, and then with me, I'm just a go getter, man. I feel like if I'm sitting down, uh, I'm not accomplishing anything. So I have to continue just to kind of keep moving. Um, but the wrestling, we're, we're thankful that it's picking back up. Our schedule is going to grow a little more. So, OK, so. We can say something. I was going to say, I was going to take us back a little bit. So, so we had you at four years old, and now we've got to COVID. Mm -hmm. So, can we fill in the bits in the middle? (laughs) Middle bit. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, jump. Yeah. So you said we're we're going to come back to present time later. Yeah, well, we'll get there. You know, I'm I'm a person of order. We start at four, and we end up in 2021. (laughs) (laughs) So, so so you're four, and then we. It was always a goal of yours, and and your father said Mm. you were going to finish high school. So you move through to there. So let's get to the end of high school. What happened then? Yep. So year 2000. Perfect. You're yeah, woman of timeline. I love it. (laughs) The year 2000, I I graduated high school, kind of worked some little odd jobs. I started the pro wrestling like local scene at that time. I kind of started training with a local guy, you know, in my hometown. Uh, Just, you know, I was getting a little little realizing like I have to get out of my hometown. Like I'm from a small town, Hickory, North Carolina, where there's it was a furniture industry. You know, I wasn't going to be a furniture guy. I was, uh, I had other dreams and, you know, I think what really kicked me in the butt at the time was 2001, you know, September 11th, 2001, our, you know, our nation was attacked. Mm. Um, and here rewind a little bit. I come from a family full of hero, full of war vets, full of, you know, military veterans, my father, my uncles, everybody. I never had any intention of joining the military. Uh, it was not on my list, but when this happened, it just started kind of stirring in me. Like I need to do something more. I need to give back to my country. It's something I felt deep in my heart that I needed to do. And I guess maybe three months after nine 11, I walked into the Marine Corps office, uh, recruiting office. And I just, I said, Hey, uh, I want to be a Marine. 
And they all kind of looked at me like, oh, you don't just come in here and, you know, buy a Marine Corps, you know, emblem. You have to earn this. And and in my mind, like, there was only two other Marines in my family. Everybody was Army, Navy, Air Force. And to me, I always heard Marines were the best. And that's no, no knock at anybody out there because I respect them all. But I knew Marine Corps training was the hardest. So I decided to sign the dotted line against my father's will because I was his only son. So, of course, he didn't want that to happen. Um, and then a year to the date, September 11th, 2002, I was at Paris Island, South Carolina, standing on what they, you know, anybody who knows Marine Corps stuff, there's these yellow footprints. They have all these new recruits stand on while they're just screaming at you and just berating you. And here I was thinking, what have I got myself into? Um, 13 weeks later, you know, December of uh, December 7th, 2002, I graduated Marine Corps boot camp as an honor grad. Um, as the, you know, I got promoted. Um, it, they broke me. They taught me. But another thing the Marine Corps taught me and Marine Corps boot camp taught me is like, your body can withstand a lot more than you think it can. Your mind can withstand a lot more than you think it can. And I always look back now and I say, okay, the Marine Corps, like the Lord put me maybe put that in my heart to do that, to stir me even more, to build me even more for the pro wrestling life, uh, for the ministry life. And just, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. The Marine Corps taught me so much. So 02 to 06, got out of the Marine Corps in 06. I had deployed in 05 uh, to Iraq, you know, with, with a uh, Marine expeditionary unit and just kind of traveled the world with that. And then, you know, luckily didn't see a lot of combat, I was one of the fortunate blessed ones and just kind of, you know, like I said, I wouldn't trade anything for, you know, my time in the Marine Corps because it taught me so much. Hang on. Now I'm getting really, <clears throat> I need to put some things together. We've got some pieces floating out there. We've got Jesus. Love it. We've got the Marines. We've got wrestling. Uh -huh. We've got ministry. We've got called to called to wrestling i'm beginning to lose yeah, my that's a phrase you never no, thought you'd hear no called, it's a phrase i never thought i'd hear no so well, can we start where, where did all these pieces start connecting i mean listen i'm a firm no that's great great question because i mean i'm a firm believer in you know my pastor talks about it the lord he gives us different gifts you know different traits or whatnot he calls us all into different areas of life like some yeah. I may not may not be called to be a pastor of a church. Maybe I am. Maybe it's 10 years from now. But I do believe the Lord puts us uh, where he wants us to minister in that situation, in that, you know, whatever business you're doing. And, you know, we can look at pro wrestling being something I wanted to do since I was four or five where it consumed me. And I'm a firm believer in like, you know, the Holy Spirit and God leading me. And I think mm -hmm. he's given me this platform. And that's what I you know, probably meant by that was this platform that he gives me to share the gospel. You know Thank what you. I mean? So I'm using that now in my twenties, I didn't, I did my own thing. I lived my, my little sinful road life. You know what I mean? But as I got older and, and started pursuing Christ a lot more, I realized, you know, man, he's given me a really cool platform to just share his name, you know, be more of a positive light in this, in this, this world we live in. And I'm thankful for that, you know, and then the Marine Corps just taught me, I mean, mental, mental and physical, you know, there's so much different like kinds of trying to break you down, trying to, you know, take away your individuality. 
not in a bad way. I'm not bad talking in militaries by any means, but it's just, that's how they do, you know, in the Marine Corps, they're taking that eye away from you and making you more of a team, yeah. which is important in, in combat situations. Cause you are a team, you know, if you're trying to do things on your own, it just doesn't work well. So for when I say, you know, the Lord called me into that, I do believe, you know, he's given me this platform for a reason. I, I totally, totally, totally get that. And I wish more people would get that because they look at us who are, and I hate this phrase, in full-time ministry and they say, oh, wish, wish I could serve Jesus like you. And I think, no, 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 no. We're all called yeah. to be faithful. We're all ministers in wherever, and we need to set our faces be faithful and be a witness where we are. If they were all like us or we were all like you, where would the world be? So totally It'd be much more entertaining if we were all like Chad. But um, for you, yeah. yeah. Listen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm, listen. I, I try and I try and look at Bible verses. I look at Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen, and twenty, where he calls us to be disciples. I look at yeah. Acts one eight, where Jesus, you know, are they're, they're called to be witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and all of you know all of the ends of the earth. Yeah, and it's like okay, well. Jesus doesn't mean like, you know, you, you go start your own church over here. He means, no, no, no. You know, you're called a disciple everywhere you go. So I try to look at it biblically with my life, especially now. So it's good you you say that because some people get burnt out on or, or beat themselves up going, man, I just, I wish I could do better or do more for Christ. Well, you can. Every day you can walk through your neighborhood and speak to somebody. I can use my platform on Twitter or Instagram to just put a Bible verse out there and somebody needed it that day, you know? Exactly. When you went to Iraq, what was the situation out there at that time? It was really, uh, so it was 05. Now, like I said, a Marine Expeditionary Unit is when the Marine Corps is traveling with a naval fleet. So we were, for eight months, we'd be on sea for a month, we'd be in land for a month. So when we traveled to Iraq, I was only there for, I want to say maybe 90 days, a month and a half or so. Or no, that's three months. Yeah, whatever. 60 days. There you go. Math is terrible. Um, but for us, it was really, it was kind of calm at that time. I mean, there was, there was some, you know, combat areas, but for us, we were kind of in a sitting and waiting game. My unit was, so we, we really just, um, like I said, we did some convoys where you take all your trucks out, kind of patrolling the area, delivering supplies or whatnot. Um, you know, so for us in 05, there was, it was more of a calm time. Uh, you know, I know in 03, 04, big, you know, a lot of combat and, and stuff was going on but for me man that you know like i said i was blessed to luckily say i wasn't in a lot of combat situations where i was getting shot at or anything um it was definitely um you know one of those things where you're like you know at any moment like you don't know what's going to happen you don't know if the enemy's going to attack you just don't know you're sitting and sleeping at two in the morning and bombs start going off or whatnot mm. uh but i do remember you know kind of reality hitting me when we did get a chance to train in Israel during that time with the Israeli troops. And we were on the shore and I don't know how many miles away, but off in the distance, you could see the Gaza Strip uh, just lighting up like fireworks. I mean, bombs going off and, it, and you just sit and you go, you know, this is reality. Like this is a war that's been going on for so many years and you're witnessing, you know, firsthand, like these, the, just the lives are being lost and just this kind of, I guess, holy religious war that's going on over there. Mm. So what, um, did you engage a lot with the local people when you were in Iraq? The locals? No, we, we trained with the Israeli troops. So we never really went into any cities in Iraq. I'm sorry, the Iraqi troops. We trained with some of the Iraqi troops because at the time, 
you know, Saddam had been taken over, all that stuff had happened. And the Iraqis, the Iraqi military um, was starting to kind of learn from the, the American military. Um, so, you know, the chant, we dealt with some locals that would come into the bases or we would go into like little, and I, and I want to say towns or cities, but there'd be times, dude, where you're uh, driving, we'd be driving through the desert and there's just a little hut and there's like a farmer with a camel and you're like, what do they, what do they do for a living? Like, what are these people, where their lives are surrounded by? So we would, you know, mingle with some of those, um, you know, some of those folks, which was good. It was good to learn, you know, that not all these people are bad. You know, mm -hmm. there's good people over there who have families who care, who aren't, you know, uh, after to kill everybody kind of terrorist things. Mm -hmm. So that was a good chance. You know, the ones who came on ship, uh, we got a chance to be with them for a couple of weeks. They would stay on ship with us and we just kind of kind of get a chance to learn kind of their culture and their heritage. And, you know, and you could tell they were very respectful and, and thankful for the opportunity to train with us, but also, you know, they were kind of in a state of freedom after Saddam was, you know, captured and all that stuff. That's cool. I was about to say, what was your, your the vibes you got from them in terms of their feelings, in terms of you being there? So it sounds like they they were happy that you were there to to be able to. They were the majority. Them. Mm -hmm. They were. They always, yeah. Everybody seemed very respectful. I mean, we would hold conversations. Obviously, language barrier there, but no, there never was any kind. Of, there was never any hostility. And then when you when you end up coming back to the U.S., um, you know, we often with what we do when we're training people to go to different countries, um, we talk about culture shock. And um, uh, so we talked to them a bit about that, but it's far worse having reverse culture shock when you come back to your own country afterwards. It could be way more difficult to handle that. Um, how was that for you coming back to the US after having been in these different places? It was, so I think just getting back to the norm of I never experienced any like major culture shock or any luckily no like post-traumatic stress or anything like that. But for me, it was especially coming back from, you know, wartime situation, being on a ship where it's like super close quarters for eight or nine months and coming back and going, man, I can jump in my truck and drive somewhere right now. It's just, so for me, it was a matter of just being sure that I kind of um, just take in my time and, and realize you know, just how lucky I am to be back home, first of all, because some of them didn't make it. Yeah. Um, it was good to have some good food and you know, <laughs> not have to drink hot mineral water every day. You know, <laughs> over in Iraq and Kuwait, it was these cases of mineral water that would just sit in the sun all day. And there's no, can't find ice. Like, come on. So we're just, I was like, ah, oh, just to have a glass of cold water was amazing. So, yeah, I mean, culture shock really didn't affect me too bad. It was just a matter of getting back in the groove of knowing that, uh, you know, I, I was a little bit more free. I wasn't trapped in the, uh, uh, you know, what we, on these little ship rooms with 15 other Marines. I mean, super close quarters, mm. you know, that was a kind of a rough time being on ship like that. Cause you had no personal space. Um, so maybe that was a little bit of a shock getting back and going, all right, I do have personal space now. What do I do with it? Instead of, I had some buddies that would just stay in the room. Like they would just stay trapped in the room or, you know, God forbid, like alcohol issues and stuff like that, man. Um, so, you know, for me, I'm, I'm blessed that I didn't have to deal with a lot of that. Do you know, there's a, a tiny shade of we, we've been in the UK where it's been under lockdown. I mean, virtually the whole time for 16 months. Yeah. And when we eventually, and that's a whole other story, managed to get to the US 
And now I've told everybody. Now you've told everyone. No one knew where we were. Now they were going to find (laughs) out. They all know where we are. Anyway. Breaking news. Yeah. Yeah. Breaking news to anybody in the UK. We're in the US. And you you better ask us how we got there another time. But um, it, it, it was a bit like that because we came, we, Nashville, I think, was the first place and it was all open and we weren't looking for yellow marks on the floor and we weren't stepping back from people and we could go out and you we could, could see make, people's faces. We could see people's fa- faces. I mean, yeah. I, not, I would not compare the UK to Iraq, but I can identify a bit with, with this change. So you, you've come, you've come back now. How do we walk into the wrestling? From I should imagine actually your you life. Uh, you don't just walk into it. Well, wait a minute. I should yeah. imagine <laughs> your time in the Marines was really good physical training for your preparation. Yeah. yeah, preparation. So, how do we move forward from here? Yeah, no, you're right. So, I mean, I've always been one. And like I said, as a kid, I was captivated by these larger than life characters who had these bodybuilding physiques. So I was always into working out and stuff like that. So in the Marine Corps, I, I just just dove in, you know, to, to the gym time and just doing what I could to, to physically get ready for my wrestling career. But like a small little story is when I was stationed in the States, Camp, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, it was only like a five hour trip to my hometown. So I would um, drive almost every weekend, a buddy and I to go do these independent small wrestling shows, uh, whether it was South Carolina, Georgia, North Carolina, you know, almost every weekend, unless I was deployed to just get my feet wet, get to know these people, build relationships, get in front of a crowd. So I was still independent wrestling at that time. <clears throat> now, when I got out in 06, I made the big jump. I was like, all right, Went back to my hometown for you know a couple months and realized okay I gotta I can't get stagnant here I gotta continue with chasing this dream and there was an opportunity for move, me to move to Atlanta Georgia because there was a bigger NWA promotion down there and uh, it, you know NWA used to be Wild Side it's called Anarchy now and it was there was TV yeah. Yeah. She does. I see it in her eyes. She's like, oh, yeah, I know yeah. exactly what you're oh, talking yeah, about. She heard the word anarchy. <laughs> went, yeah, I know. Anarchy, that yeah. So NWA, for you and for others out there listening, NWA was like a huge wrestling promotion in the 70s and 80s. It was a territory thing. Um, <clears throat> anyway, the NWA promotion in Georgia gave me opportunity because they did national TV, more national exposure to kind of get my name out there, get to know uh, and, and more connections, which ultimately led you know, to me getting a contract down the road just because of building the name, getting a chance to get out of this small town, go to Atlanta, build my, you know, NWA name, start traveling to, Lord, I did shows in like Bolivia. I did shows, uh, you know, all over the United States. So it got me out of that small town and allowed people to learn, hey, who, who's Chad Lell or at that time, you know, a different wrestling name. Um, so that's really how the wrestling kind of kicked off. I decided not to get snagged, stagnant in my hometown and, and branch out because it's all about connections. Yeah. With, with your wrestling persona, your alter ego, uh, how much yeah. say do you have into, into what that is? Pretty, you know what? They're, they're really open with, with our creativity as far as <clears throat> you know, what we're allowed to do, allowed to say. Obviously, you know, we've got to pull back the reins a little bit. But, you know, with WWE, they're really, really open to, to creativity. And, you know, luckily now that, you know, Elias and I have, have done a little switch and we're fighting each other, 
you know, on just, TV. Just so you know, go ahead. Fill in some blanks here for a second. <laughs> so he uh, um, he had a partner that he was wrestling ah. with. They were kind of together, uh, friends, and uh, the other guy decided to uh, stab him in the back. And um, not so literally, now, but not, figuratively. Not, not quite literally, but <laughs> yeah. so yeah. So now they're they're no longer really that close anymore. They're, they've got this feud which is running between them. So. A literal feud, or is this a? Oh yeah, they're bitter enemies at this oh, point. Yeah. This no, is... can't stand no, it. That, can't stand you're having... <laughs> Come on, give me the truth. No, yeah, that, yeah, that, no. that is the scenario. <laughs> is that the truth? It's the truth. But That's the scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 for the sake of, for the wrestling, they they are they are. They're now enemies. Mm-hmm. It's not a show. They're enemies. No, no, it's no, no show in this one. This is... This Can't is, stand this I, guy. I don't know whether you're this setting me up thing. or this is true. <laughs> so, you carry on the story. I, 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 I told you the I'll real scenario. So, okay, yeah. carry on. So, <laughs> yeah, so we're split there. And now, uh, you know, they're giving me an opportunity to kind of touch base on like my Marine Corps you know, history and all that mm. stuff. So it's really cool to be able to go, all right, cool. There's certain things like here I would say or, or whatnot. So, but yeah, there's a good bit of lead way. You know, it's, you know, not like, a, you know, I've done movies before where they'll bring you the script and it's like, nope, verbatim. Say that right there. That's what the writer wants. That's what the producer wants. Don't steer away from it, mm. which is totally okay. But with WWE, there's, you know, uh, there's a little bit of lead way. Yeah, that's, that's cool that they, they, they allow the creative process to be both ways. It's not them just dictating to people. This is who you are. This is what you're going to do. Uh, I guess, yes. I guess to a certain extent, you know, if you're not really feeling that person that they put across or the scenario, then that would probably come across in some way. But So th- mm-hmm. this is connected. I haven't gone off on a tangent before you think. So, one of the things I talk about is parents discipling their children. And mm-hmm. I talk about how every parent knows how to disciple their children because they disciple them in what they're passionate about. And passion is catching. And, and that's how children catch it. So you are passionate about this. I want you to to talk to me about this in a way that I can catch your passion, in a way that I'm suddenly going, you know what, Andrew, I'm going to be watching this with you. This is great. I mean, help me catch it. Okay, like how I explained it, I've had to explain it to my mom before because at the time she's like, I just don't get it. I support her. So, you know, I'm like, okay, if you're watching a really good- I need good- to meet your mom. I definitely need you, to. You would love her. She, she's, a, she's a wonderful woman. Wonderful woman. Okay, so, so help I me tell get her, it. I just like, yeah, if you're watching a good movie, most people watching a good movie start, they love, they want to have a good story, something that captivates them. It's like reading a good book. You have characters in the book that captivate you, that bring you into this moment to where when you're reading this book or when you're watching this movie, or for our instance, when you're tuning in to our Monday night show and watching WWE Raw, you see the good guy, you see the bad guy, you see the antagonizer who is, is going after this person who is the light per se. And you're like, I want that good guy to beat this bad guy up, you know? So for me watching a movie as a kid, uh, I was always into like Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. So Terminator, I wanted Terminator to win. I wanted him to destroy this evil force and just, just the energy and the, um, for us, it's the live action, you know, entertainment that you're getting the, these two big guys or the ladies who wrestle forces in there just mauling each other. So it's the physical thing. And if sometimes people aren't into that, 
you know, physical aspect of it, but they are into the characters of it. So to me, it's like reading a good book or watching a good movie. Like you have the beginning, the middle and the end. Now, all this stuff is building up to that climax. And if you've seen, and we've all seen movies before that you get to the end of the movie and you're like, oh, that was terrible. That was a letdown. Well, our goal as pro wrestlers and, and, you know, when you see a good movie is to have this exciting story, whether it be five minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, that builds up to this climax of, wow, that was incredible. And you can watch these WrestleMania moments between Shawn Michaels or Undertaker that they were building this story and it started slow, slow, slow. And then by the end, it was just this huge explosion where the crowd was literally standing some of them in tears some of them laughing crying whatever it may be it's an emotional roller coaster that uh, i've always tried and i know all the entertainers i work with have always tried to take the crowd on if that helps you sure is the undertaker (laughs) is a classic classic you gotta watch it you gotta show it to her you gotta show her that one Uh, so she she might be like wow that was really good okay i'll do that and then we'll send you her response yeah does your mom Uh, please does your mom come to watch you now? She has it. Well, so obviously the live crowds are just now coming back. And and I mentioned in 08, the, the laceration of an artery kind of, but she has come since then. She's still one of those who uh, anytime I get slammed, it's like, oh gosh, I'm hiding my eyes and all this stuff. But she is getting a little better about, all right, I got to come watch my son do what he loves to do. Especially now it's on a much bigger scale, you know, with WWE. So uh, I'm going to get her to another show soon. I guess she does. Yeah, you, she you've, you've made it to what your dream was. So yes, for her to be able I to did. come and see you in your dream, um, it, I imagine even if it's quite difficult seeing her son getting slammed, uh, yeah. she gets to see you fulfilling the dream that you've had since you were a child. So that's really cool. So I was yes. an athlete, and I know that when you – kind of reach a certain level if I can put it that way you now have the task of maintaining and even going on from there that you can't sit back and say you know what I, I've reached this level and I can now take a few days off or I, I can go and eat 20 donuts or something like that <laughs> oh, because... I'm really hungry already you do, don't <laughs> me too so, me too <laughs> so is it a, now that you have got to the place you are is it a different mental approach as opposed to when you were, as it were, climbing the ladder? It is. Absolutely. You, and you, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said you can't. Once you reach a certain pinnacle, it's like building a business. You know, a businessman uh, opens his business. It starts booming and being it's really successful where he's not going to slow down. He can't, you know, per se, take a day off and, uh, you know, decide to just take a break. But so with pro wrestling, for me, it's like I am in WWE. Um, back in April, I got a chance to perform in my first WrestleMania, which was a childhood dream of mine. And I have to sit daily, and especially when I'm at TV on Monday nights and go, okay, like, you know, I'm at the big times now. Like, I can't slack off tonight and, <clears throat> you know, whatever, be lazy in the ring or be lazy with my training because I've always taken pride in how I look. Um, so it, it, there is a mentality with me and I know with others I can speak for where it's like, all right, you, you, you have to keep going because you, what they say, grabbing that brass ring in pro wrestling, you know, you always have to be prepared uh, for any opportunity to um, shine, to do better, to advance your character, advance your storyline. 
And if I decide to go into work on one Monday and I'm just super lazy and don't care with a bad attitude, then that's not going to do anything for me. It's not going to do anything for my family or the fans. Mm. Yeah. So I got, um, this is a, a completely bizarre question. I'm sure I, I maybe you've been asked. Question. This is you've my been question. Yeah. To ask. yeah. So over the years, Let's hear it. I would, I would, I would watch from time to time some WWE and, and obviously this, this plays into the persona part of what I was talking about, but um, mm. sometimes I wonder, um, <laughs> how do I phrase this? Just, just so, say how do people, do people have to get used to just wearing their underwear in front of like 50,000 people? <laughs> because some pe some yeah. of the wrestlers, that's basically what they're wearing. I mean, I, I, I imagine if I went out into an arena, okay, if I was in the WWE, I would be saying, okay, my character wears jeans and a t-shirt. And so that's what I'm going to wrestle in. Um, mm -hmm. If they said no, you're going to wrestle in some pants. Uh, so, oh, oh, sorry, I'm speaking English uh, here, uh, underwear. Um, oh, yeah. And I, I walked out, I'd be uh, like, do you just do that and you're fine? Do you, you know, have you got to have like, you know, a certain amount of shows or do you just never get used to walking out in front of everyone like that? I think now I'm definitely used to it. It's funny because my wife and her friends, if we're out for dinner or whatever, like my birthday was June 6th and they started singing half birthday at a restaurant. And one of her friends goes, does that embarrass you? And I went, I wrestle for a living in my underwear. That's not <laughs> going to embarrass me. So for, you know, I remember when I first, so when I first started wrestling, I wrestled what we call uh, biker tights, which were like longer, kind of like wearing a pair of shorts practically. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then I started thinking, well, I, I want to start wrestling in trunks. I, I want to see how that looks. And uh, so it, at that time, it was 2007, maybe. Very awkward the first time I went out. I went, I'm half naked here, literally. Like, I'm just pairing a pair of underwear. But, you know, obviously, like, the spandex material is a lot different. But for now, like, now, no, it's just kind of like, like, I'm not going to go to my local grocery store in a pair of spandex, obviously. <laughs> but, but when it comes to, like, for me, it like, dude, it's like – um it's like putting on, if you're a, uh, let's say a theatrical, like, like whatever you call actor on a play, during a play, you put on that costume, you put on that garment that you're wearing that puts you in that character. You know what I mean? For me, mm. believe it or not, those trunks that say Jackson Riker and have these evil eyes on the side or the American flag on the side puts me in that mindset of I'm Jackson Riker. I'm not Chad Lell. I am in the zone now. And so there, it's like putting on, you know, your attire for, I guess, combat or war or whatever, you know, you're, you're putting on your, your, your battle gear. So for me, it's not awkward anymore. Um, I just do it, you know, <laughs> go at okay. it. Huh. Yeah. Well, now yeah. you've asked your question. That's right. I've got my question. Out yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that was a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> I should one. imagine there are many, many things that you have learnt along the way in your walk with Jesus through this because I I don't know I find I find it very I'm very good at relating to other people I'm very relating and find good at relating where they're coming from and you've traveled on enough airplanes you can engage in a conversation about virtually anything mm -hmm. however I'm not so good at getting inside where you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it's okay. 
I really, yeah, I'll get there. <laughs> I will watch some. I will get there. But um, so, so help me, most people when they're in some situation, they're always learning something new about Jesus. They're learning something new about their walk with Him. There are many biblical. Um, uh, there are many biblical lessons that we can learn. I don't like the word lessons, but you know what mm. I mean. Talk to us a bit about your walk with Him through this. I will, and I like, you know, what you said, it like instantly I, I thought about when I listened to you guys with Dr. Brown and how, you know, you're in your zone there with Dr. Brown, you know, you're speaking to him about theology, about the Bible, and that's your, your, your moment. Well, for you right now, speaking to me about pro wrestling, you're like, what does this mean? But it's the same thing with sharing the gospel with somebody who knows nothing about Jesus. Wow. You know, you yeah. have to walk them through this, through this journey per se the gospel journey and who Jesus was. So right now we're walking you through a journey of what, pro, of course, pro wrestling isn't going to get you to heaven, but it's going <laughs> to teach, you know, it's, I kind of, yeah, right. I kind glad of, you could uh, clear that one up. Liken it. Actually, yeah, I, I, I like just want it to say to something then. Pro wrestling for you will be significant in heaven because you are yes. doing what he has asked you to do. You're being faithful in it and you are, um, making disciples so i just right. want to interject there that it's going to be hugely significant for you uh, when you see jesus it's just not for me that you are faithful to yeah. go the direction that he's you got, said to yeah. go in. yeah I, I don't <laughs> right. think I'm, unless he's going to call me into it now anything's possible we can but hey, we, i can hey. show you some pro wrestling uh, moves when we finish this okay <laughs> but no so there you go like it's it's just like an open door for mm. for us to talk about wrestling you don't know about so it kind of makes me think of that's how we approach people with Christ. So for me, it's always, you know, in my twenties, I, I had some battle problems dealing with, you know, uh, whatever depression and some other addictions, Uh quick story. I was saved at 17 and, you know, saved at my hometown church that, you know, we talked about earlier where it was built in the fifties with my grandfather's hands and, and family members hands. So this was a church that my grandfather until he died in 71, 72, uh, did tent revivals there. He did, you know, he was a, like an assistant pastor and all this. So there's so much history in that church. So I remember going there as a 13, 14 year old with my father and my grandmother, aunts and uncles, and just sitting and listening to these preachers pour their heart out about who Jesus was. And at 17, I got the call, you know, to walk to that altar and, and lay it down at the foot of the cross and give my life to Jesus. And through my 20s, I battled things, but I could always look back now and I know that, you know, the spirit was guiding me, you know, guiding me through those troubled times. And I, I can look back now and I've mentioned it when I get a chance to speak at a church of how <clears throat> God was speaking to me. Even then I can look and, and remember that voice saying, I've got more for you. What you're doing is not who you are. It doesn't define you. You know, you're a new creation. I wasn't living that way. But for me now, it's really, I got Matthew 16, 26 tattooed on my, my arm and, and I'm covered in tattoos. We know that. But, you know, what does it mean to gain the world but lose your soul? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I try and live by that verse. I try and live by 1 John 2, where he talks about, you know, the lust of the flesh, you know, living for the flesh and, you know, not allowing the spirit to guide you. So with my life now, not in full-time ministry, but really I am. Yes, you are. I try to, yeah, I try to remember that, you know, I can't live for the world. I have to, I have to let the spirit guide me. 
uh, because I have lived for the world in my twenties and early thirties. And it, and it just, it just destroyed me. Like, you know, thank the Lord. He never took this platform away from me that he's given me uh, because I see now that he's got huge, huge platform for me to use for the gospel and the sharing of Jesus Christ. So it is, it is, you know, what does it mean to gain this world? What does it mean to be this famous pro wrestler? If, if, you know, I'm not showing love or not taking care of my family or first and foremost, not sharing the gospel, you know, that I study every night. If I'm just keeping them to myself, it's like keeping a treasure to myself. But when I get to heaven and Jesus goes, what about the least of these that you didn't talk to them about me? You know, you just kept it all to yourself. That's not going to do any good. So it's just keeping my mindset and focused on my daily relationship with Christ. You know, me waking up at 530 because I know once my daughter's feet hit the ground at seven, there's no quiet time, you know. So it's me getting my quiet time, my cup of coffee, my Bible, my journal, whatever it may be. And just being sure that and some days I fail. Some days I don't do it because I oversleep. But just being sure that I'm in that daily relationship, you know, with Jesus. Well, I can say that you have inspired me. Um, I think my (laughs) mindset was no one can be a follower of Jesus who's throwing themselves around a ring and and doing goodness knows what to the other person. Don't tell me there is a call of God on that life. I mean, that, there is. Is bit, that is a bit extreme. That is a bit extreme, but that yeah. was the road down my mind. And Andrew would be watching and I'd be going, no, no, no. However, I, I showed her, to be fair, yeah. Just there was a certain other someone that I tried to reach out to, but I'm sure they never saw my message. So that uh, I'm not saying they didn't respond for any other reason other than not seeing my message, but um, sure. uh, Kane. Oh yeah. So yes. I, I, um, Good man. I showed her one of his videos. <laughs> Hellfire and brimstone. This guy yeah. just coming out of hell, you know, to descend yeah. on his opponent. And she was like, whoa, who the heck is this guy? <laughs> it's a bad so, one to show anyway, her out. So yeah. Well, I think, I think my takeaway from this is never say God wouldn't. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> right. would. I mean that that, yeah. that is half flippant, but I actually mean it. I re- I really do mean it, and mm. I really do appreciate you. And I personally, and I'm sure Andrew too, but I am very very grateful to talk to you because I think we can put God in a box, and we can yes. say this or is what a he, ring or or a ring hey, or a ring. Gone. We could put him in a ring. <laughs> yeah, we can put him in a ring. Yeah. But we we say he wouldn't do that. He couldn't do that. I mean, he that that can't be surely. But he does. And and for yeah. me personally, you know, you you have shown me that again. And you know, I'm thankful to meet you. I'm thankful to talk to you. I Thank I'm you. inspired. I am. You know, I'm inspired by your faithfulness and what God has given to you, that you haven't got sidetracked, you've stayed single-focused about your ambition, you've stayed single, and you are staying single-focused about your walk with Jesus and your family. And so all of those Mm. things inspired me. And you know what? I promise you... I will watch the next one. you got to watch now. (laughs) Monday night. you got to get her on a Monday night show. Monday night. I I, I remember, you know, real quick what, you know, we talk of people putting Jesus in a box or and I did a, a little devote or a ring. 
And I talked, you know, I did a little devotional this morning where so many people have this checklist of they're not good enough for God. They go, God's not going to use me. How can he use me? He's mad at me. And I just always let these people know, like, look at the disciples, these ones that Jesus chose. He chose these and it says it in the word of God. You know, he didn't he didn't just happen to fall upon Peter or or Paul or anybody. He chose these disciples and these apostles Mm -hmm. who were fishermen, tax collectors, just uh, one of them murdered Christians. And it may, it always reminds me, I have to daily go, no, no, God, God can use you no matter what your background is because he's chosen you to be his child. And it just, it's always inspiring to me because I get so much inspiration from the Bible. Um, so much inspiration from men like Dr. Brown, you know, just listening to him speak and, and tell the truth about life. And, uh, you know, you guys, your podcast, I've listened to a few of them and just getting inspiration of people's testimonies and, you know, how I can be a better person. So uh, thank you guys as well. Well, thank you, Chad. We really appreciate that. And um, we'll have to have you back at some point and you can ask some more of your your questions. No, I'll get mom on. With your oh, mom yes. on, we're going yes. to do a, yeah. we're we're going to, a tag we team. Should. Let's continue with this language. So <laughs> Let's do this. We should. Um, yeah. We can plan it out. <laughs> yeah. This sounds good. Thank you so much, Chad. We really, really appreciate you taking yes, the thank time. You, thank Chad. you, Chad. Thank you. Absolutely. Blessings, you guys. And I'll be praying for you as well. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode. If it inspired you, please rate us and subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or another podcast platform.